Hello and welcome back to Light the Lamp Media's podcast. Here today with your host Nick Kieser and Seth Griffith. And today's news, we're going to start out with uh, Matt Duchesne and his situation with the Ottawa Senators. And just going to keep going off of that and we'll hit this uh, league news and I guess go from there. So Seth, go ahead and just take it away. Well, Really, really, just jumping right in there, not not wasting any time. Um, but yeah, Matt Duchesne returned back to the lineup last night for uh, Ottawa and registered two goals against his former team, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, who have struggled as of late. They've struggled to win as they had the remember a couple nights ago. You had uh, you saw McKinnon getting in it, get into it with uh, I believe it's Bednar the head coach of the Colorado Avalanche, and the frustration's really starting to show out in uh, out in the Mile High City. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Um, I had you know I had flown back from uh, Florida visiting family, and uh, when I got off the plane, that was the first thing I saw was that oh, Duchesne scored two goals against his former team, and I was like, wow, that's a that's a way to come back. You know, with the guy being traded, especially the whole you know the whole thing was made about him not being happy in Colorado and uh, everything that happened with that. I'm sure like Colorado is a team that Duchesne probably for the rest of his career will look at and be like, that's the team that I want to make sure I'm my best against that team. Cause you know, for, you know, it wasn't until last year that Colorado finally, you know, made the playoffs and were struggling this year. They find their way, find themselves out of a playoff spot right now. But you know, Duchesne's the guy who's like, he's going to look at that like, that's that's my revenge team. Every time I play, I go up against Colorado, whether it's in our building or their building, I want to show that, you know, hey, you should have done more while I was there. Yeah, that's I think... That's particular, at least, yeah. I, I think that's a great point, that he made his case against his former team, finally, and he may have had a game previously against he's had, he had a couple. He had a couple games last year, but, you know, for him to come back off an injury and it be the team that traded you, and it's like the team that you were unhappy with. You didn't want to be there anymore. And it's like that's the team I want to go at them. Right. And that's I, I love that kind of mentality from a player because I mean it's been talked about that the mentality of players in the NHL these days doesn't have that like aggressive menta- uh, mentality. And I look at that and I was like, that's Duchesne's was like, I want this game. I would want, I want not only want to win this game, I want to perform my best in this game. And he had you know two goal night. I mean that's kind of hard to argue. That that was a pretty good night for him. Yeah. So. Uh, so after touching base on him, kind of moving forward, maybe another guy that will be looking at his former self on his former team, perhaps by the trade deadline, is Gustav Nyquist. Well, Nyquist and Jimmy Howard. As it came out today, that the Detroit Red Wings are going to be are asking for a high price for their two uh, unrestricted free agents after this season, and Gustav Nyquist. And Jimmy Howard and I, based off the numbers this year from both players, I I can't argue with it. I mean, Gustav Nyquist in 48 games this season, he's got 11 goals and 29 assists for 40 points. I mean, that's pretty. I mean, for around trade deadline, do you remember last year Nashville traded a first round pick for Hartman, and people were like, is he really worth a first round pick? Well, it doesn't really matter how if they're worth a first round pick, it's because it's the trade deadline. And he's like, you got to get this player before the trade deadline. Teams are going to be willing to move that first-round pick. And then you look at a guy like Jimmy Howard. Uh, Jimmy Howard, 13-12-5 uh, record, a 2.71 goals against average, and a 9-17 save percentage at age 34. 
I mean, that's that's what impresses me the most about Jimmy Howard. I mean, when you get a guy like Howard, you get a guy who's won Stanley Cups. He's been on. He's been in deep playoff runs. He has that veteran leadership from a goaltender that you know. I look at a team like if Edmonton can get their act together. You know, maybe Edmonton looks at him. It's like maybe that's our answer in that because many thought Jimmy Howard was going to be falling off uh, in stats this year because like, well, he's thirty-four years old. He's going to fall off. You know, on a Detroit team that's rebuilding. I mean, yeah, the record may not be there, but a nine seventeen save percentage in a two point seven one goals against that's pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I mean, his career he's got. He's got a two fifty goals against and a nine fifteen save percentage. I mean, this this guy, Jimmy Howard, has been one of my favorite goalies for the for the past couple of years. I've always loved him in Detroit, um, and though seeing that maybe he has one last chance of being able to make a cup run, uh, I, I I think it'd be amazing for him. And I I think Detroit can definitely get a first round pick out of both of these guys. You know, what's your what's your take on it, especially with uh, Nyquist? Nyquist is where I'm interested on your take on him. I don't know. I I think that Nyquist is someone that is an extendable player for them right now. They may feel that way. He's only age 29. I agree with them. He's in his prime. He is in his prime. I think it's a tough look for Detroit. I think they... It's definitely... This dad, because getting rid of those two players, especially a guy like Howard, who's been a mainstay in Detroit. Yeah, they... Uh, They just... I think, personally, they're going to try to make a pretty good move. I could definitely see... Both of these guys could be a package deal, but I could also see it being, hey, maybe I can trade Jimmy Howard for a draft pick mm-hmm. or two, maybe get a prospect. And then Gustav Nyquist could be that player that you could get more leverage on and get more back from. But so What I want to ask you is, who do you who do you think is the easier one to move between the two? I think personally, with the way the market is right now, I personally think Nyquist. I think Howard's a little harder to move because a lot of teams that are in contending positions – they don't necessarily have their problems that goaltending is bad. Like I look at, um, I mean, that's why when I when I said Howard, the first the first team that came to mind was Edmonton. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they have their issues in goaltending, but I think of the other teams that are the contending teams. Um, I I can't personally think. I mean, maybe 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 Buffalo with, but Hutton's played pretty well there, so I don't see that. Um, you know, if Carolina, if the Carolina goes on a run, I mean, Carolina's been red hot. You know, if they want to make a move at a goaltender, maybe Carolina brings Howard in. Maybe the Dallas Stars make a trade. Now, well, the thing is with Dallas is that Kadobin's played well for him, and Bishop has too. I mean, they're just, they're a real middling team. I mean, you remember a couple weeks back when, you know, Jamie Benn and Sagan got called out, and then they just made a move for Cogliano, which we'll get into later is when we talk about the Ducks, but... I mean, I just think, between the two, I think Nyquist is probably the easier player to move because he's like, okay, this guy's the offensive guy. And the offensive guys in the trade deadline are the easier guys to move. The goaltenders, it, it kind of depends on how the market is. And it's I think a the dicey. market a market for Nyquist would be yeah, it's more. A, it's a dicey business when you try to move goalies, I think. Definitely. Uh, I definitely see your case for having Nyquist being the easier guy to move. Plus, he's a more attractive player for gms as in um hey this guy can score and he's pretty great um but you know the nhl is being pretty active right now this time of year um they were a little more active i'd say last november because it's january now in the 2019 part of the season um i mean the preds traded for tourists and then 
Duchesne is part of that package. Yeah, and Duchesne deal from last year. That exactly. Shook the NHL world. Right. So I I think we're gonna see you know, actually, now that I think about it, I mean the Flyers, now that they pretty much have a solidified goaltender in Carter Hart for the most part, at least they yeah. think he is, you know, how great would it be if maybe the Flyers gave up someone they didn't really need for cap i'm not sure what their cap is like but maybe they gave up someone and swapped for jimmy howard and then carter hart has that guy to kind of look at the only the only my only thing with that is that i mean who do you move move elliot i haven't I seen mean, him play that much i mean elliot's been elliot well it's been hurt you know we have a but with that it's you know i think if i think if howard's gonna go to a team he's gonna go to a he's gonna go to a contender um no, I'm not 100% sure. Let me, I can pull it up real quick. I'm not exactly sure, but if um, if Jimmy Howard has a uh, possible no-trade clause, because, I mean, if that's the case, well, then he'll definitely probably want to say, hey, if I'm going to go to a team, uh, I want to go to a contender. Yep. No, uh, well, actually, not this year. This year, uh, this the 2018-2019 is a no-trade clause, so I – he can he they could realistically move him to Philly, but there's also the thing of you know with the way the uh, Detroit's GM is, mm-hmm. you know he's a real loyal loyalty kind of guy, and with the amount of years that Howard's put into the Red Wings organization and all that he's kind of done for him, mm-hmm. I I have a really hard time seeing that if that he's gonna move away from the Red Wings, a team who he's played his entire career in that Red Wings sweater. I have a hard time believing that the GM is just gonna move them to wherever. I just because that's just how that's just how that GM is. I mean, some GMs are you know really cutthroat. You know, they're really like, okay, you know, I don't I don't care about the personal relationship I have with this player. I want to just get them out. You know, I want to do what's best for the team. But then you have some like Detroit's GM with some of his contracts. I mean, he's shown that he he can value personal relationships with the people that have done a lot for him as opposed to what is best for the team at this current moment. I just don't see I just don't personally well, see it. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you can look at it anyway from here, but um, I think that's a cool trade that we'll have to see kind of break down if it happens. It should. Uh, the GMs are very fluid right now, and as we'll be getting into. Um, the, with the trades starting to pick up, I exactly. can definitely see one coming down the line, wire pretty soon here. So earlier this afternoon, the trade that I brought to my attention when I was in chemistry class and Seth didn't know uh, when he arrived. Yeah, this one actually missed me. <laughs> this one. Nino Niederreiter uh, yeah. got traded from the Minnesota Wild to the Carolina Hurricanes for Victor Rask, a one-for-one deal. Um, and that's a pretty interesting trade because uh, Seth first pointed out, which, I mean, to kind of think about it, I think any fan or anybody that liked the Hurricanes would um, kind of see this, but... Um, you know, Victor Rask, um, maybe Paul Fenton is making a pretty cool move. Maybe he's not. We don't know. He's been trained by the Holy Grail of GM, uh, just <laughs> like great guy, David Poyle. Well, but well, um, yeah. he made a move to get Victor Rask. I mean, he's got six points this year. He's minus three, um, and he's in his third year of his six-year contract. He's making $4 million a season. 
Um, then you have Nino that he's played pretty much the whole season. I think he's played all the games. He says his, it just says about, 46. Just about um, around that mark. He's got nine goals and 14 assists. Um, and he's making a little more money than Vrask is. But um, honestly, they moved money. I mean, the Wild, they're saving a little bit of money uh, yeah. getting rid of Nino. But I mean... I think for the Wild, um, to start there first with this kind of trade, they also traded for Pontus Auberg uh, yesterday. Um, we'll touch on that trade too. Um, I think the Wild are trying to figure out their scoring situation. I think that with them Checking the lineup up. with them getting these moves, hey, you guys need to kind of wake up. That's usually what a team does to kind of be like, hey, like this is what needs to happen. And I think Paul Fenton is probably going to work his magic at – a, a different way maybe than any other GM has um, and so it would be really cool to see what happens and the Hurricanes they've been steamrolling all season yeah. they have a lot of heart and a lot of energy as an organization right now and very as a team. team very hard working team absolutely and so I think we can see the Hurricanes really prompt uh, Nino and really challenge yeah. him early on in his first couple of games get him going for the rest of the, rest of the season he's playing on a team now that is like hey Come join the skull chant with us and, <laughs> and, and come get a couple of goals for us. And I think he's yeah. going to play great for them. I don't think there's any worry there. Um, hurricanes are great. And so that trade's pretty cool. Um, I, uh, personally, for me, with this trade, when I first looked at it, I mean, honest to God, this is, this is a great trade for Carolina. Carolina's a team that, you know, they, they, have, they have the talent to make the playoffs. They can make a playoffs in their division, the Metro. I, I, would, I think this team can make the playoffs. You know, it'd be wild card, but, you know, I, I think Niederreiter, because one thing that's been the problem with Carolina the season is scoring, at least consistent scoring. And uh, bringing Niederreiter in, you know, brings in a proven scorer. You know, he's got three uh, years of 25, uh, 20 plus goals versus Rask, who only has one. Um,. Then there's only spending a little bit more. I mean, you're only you're only spending an extra 1.25 million a year on a guy who's a you know what kind of scoring you're gonna get out of him. He's only a year older. Uh, versus Rask for the Wild, based on what I've uh, what I did my little research on the trade, was um, they're hoping that one there's ca the cap flexibility, but it's only like I said, it's only 1.25. So it's a little bit of flexibility but it's a matter of okay what are you going to do with that flexibility exactly and so and yeah with that and there's that but then there's also they're hoping that a change of scenery you know might be able to change uh help rascal maybe he'll be able to improve what he is but the thing is with that i mean there's your gamble you know it's carolina getting what they what they believe is what they're getting was an improving score versus what minnesota's getting which is you're taking a gamble that maybe this guy can be basically a cheaper needer rider is what you're kind of hoping um they're saying he can maybe play the center position for minnesota but at the end of the day uh carolina wins this trade going away for in my opinion at least right now um so that's my that's my take on that sure and those are thoughts um, um so kind of giving another perspective from the gm of the wild here's right. what yeah. here's what michael russo said that works for the athletic and follows the wild he says uh, this is what Fenton says, uh, quote, We're looking for consistency. For me, when you make changes like this, it shows changes. Changes, nothing is forever. Um, 
Say it's an alert for them to show them uh, who the team is. Admits one day he thinks this team is great. One day he thinks this team isn't that great. So yeah. I think they've been inconsistent. I think for sure, like I said before, Seth went into his little part of his segment on that trade. I think that is a shakeup. That is an alert for them to kind of wake up. Like, hey guys, we're in the central. We have a lot of teams here that we need to catch up with in scoring. So, they definitely got to get moving. And they have a team to do it. And I think the argument for where they stand in the standings, of course, you know, the two teams that you kind of think about, it's like, who's going to make it? Is it going to be Minnesota or is it going to be the Dallas Stars? I mean, the thing is, and, and, and just to kind of give you some insight in on, on the central kind of with the Minnesota thing, I mean, Minnesota currently right now is only a point out of um, out of that third place. They're out of – they'd be – if they're um, – if they are to beat Anaheim tonight, which I have them beating Anaheim tonight, they would actually tie uh, Dallas in regulation overtime victories. But they would actually have more uh, wins than Dallas. So if they beat, if they go on to beat Anaheim tonight, like I think they will, because um, Anaheim's been awful. Uh, I th- I think Minnesota. I mean, they jump right back into the playoffs. I mean, that three because Nashville is is giving themselves a bump. I mean, you have Nashville at sixty points and then Dallas is fifty points, so they've given themselves that ten point cushion. But that three, four, five, and I'll even say six, because St. Louis currently right now is only five points out. So even with their struggles this year, they're not dead in the water yet. Mm-hmm. So so this is um. The central, like it always seems to be, is incredibly interesting with the standings. And uh, you know, if they're trying to do a roster shakeup and they're trying to, you know, maybe do a roster shakeup and maybe take that cap space and add, you know, maybe another guy through free agency or maybe make a trade and be able to get more people, be it a higher, better player who just has a little bit more money that can use that cap on, then I can understand it. But um, but this is a, I mean, this has such. I'm not when I say Carolina wins the trade. I'm not saying Minnesota. This is an awful trade for the Wild because it's not. I mean the Wild are, you know, Victor Rask you know, has similar numbers to Niederreiter for the most part, um, other than the 20 plus goals. But uh, Niederreiter's also been in the league longer than Rask. This is um, I mean this could this could Wild could come out of this trade looking like the smart team or both teams could. Right. I mean this is this is a trade that has the potential for both teams. The working out great for both teams. I yeah. don't think that this is. I don't think if one this is a trade where one team's gonna dominate it and then the other team's right. just like this is a terrible trade. Right. So I don't. Touching more on the Minnesota Wild, they did trade for Pontus Auberg yesterday. Do you want to go right into the Ducks Absolutely. talk? Absolutely. Uh, so right. Could you remind me of who they traded? Yeah. Uh, Auberg for it. Which once more. We'll go into the trades first. Um, the Pontus Auberg trade. Well, actually, do you want to start with the Auberg, or do you want to go to the first trade? First? Let's do Auberg. Auberg um, first. So Auberg right. was traded for, for a uh, prospect, Justin Cluse. Uh Pontus Auberg's played 37 games this season, has 11 goals and 18 assists. He's on his final year of a 1.3 million dollar contract, so his average annual value is only you know, 650,000 at age 25. The guy they traded for, Justin Cluse, who is a center, Auberg being a left winger. Has played 34 games this season in the American Hockey League. He has 12 goals and 18 assists, so good numbers. Good numbers in the American Hockey League. Right. And he's a plus four. He's in his final year of a $1.85 million contract, an average annual value of $792,500. Right. And he's the same age as Auberg. 
This trade, now I can remember I called you from the airport last night, and this one blew me away, as in, what is Anaheim doing? I can make a case, but let's see what you have but to actually, say. But actually, because, you know, I, I heard something last night that Silverberg, who's not going to be in the lineup tonight, Auberg would have been a forward who would have had the most points on their team because of all the injuries their team has gone through. And since Auberg's gotten to Anaheim, He's been a four. He's been really good for them. He's been an incre- he's been a really great player for them. So when they traded for Clues, you know, the guy's the same age. He's got one game of NHL experience. I this is one where I'm just like, they must see something in Clues that I did not that maybe not everybody else is seeing. But to get rid of Auberg, I mean, this is, I mean, my, my, it's the first thing I said when I saw this trade was like, oh, so the rebuild's on. But then I realized that the guy was only, the guy was the same age as Auberg, and I was like, right. well, then the rebuild ain't, what right. is going on in Anaheim? So, you, you apparently have something okay, about so, it. So, I, I'm curious to hear this, because I'm, I'm curious to hear the counter argument for Clues on this here's, trade. Here's what I like. Um, and the Minnesota Wild, we just touched on the other trade, which, um, I think that's a that's a pretty. I think that's a better trade than this one. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, but uh, Craig Anderson just activated off uh, injury reserve. Good. So he'll be probably back in the lineup. So we'll see. The Ottawa. Ottawa Senators have a good chance, but so um, I think Auberg. I think the Preds. Uh, they made a good thing drafting him. They're starting off that route. So they're keeping it really short and simple. So then he moves on. Um, he plays for a couple more teams. You can check out his background on NHL.com. But he played for the for the Ducks uh, just as of late, as we've said. Uh, he scored a lot. And here's what uh, Rousseau uh, also reported on about Auberg that, you know, I think I second this thought too if I was a GM. Here's what was said. Quote, I was looking for a right-handed uh, shot forward with scoring capability. He can score goals. He has a dynamic set of skills that you're always looking for. And so Fenton was looking for a trade. He got a little younger uh, of a guy and 25 years old. He swapped a prospect for Auberg, which was a steal for the Wild. And so Kloos, a little background on him uh, on the other side. He played college hockey. Okay. University of Minnesota. College hockey. Four years. And he was the... He was the uh, leading captain and he had i think 300 or 400 points i can't remember the exact number he put uh, up good numbers i told seth yesterday i think he was uh, like six games or so shy of points per game in his whole career playing college hockey which is good but he wasn't drafted he's 25 he got a shot in the nhl with the minnesota wild and this is where it kind of gets me that seth found out too was he went to camp Almost made the roster. Preds have several guys like that, but another team that's like this that knows that he can score, that's rough. If he doesn't make the team, that ruins his stock for me as a GM because it's like I don't really know anything about him because you should have been playing him in the NHL. You don't know so his NHL game. I think the case here is that's a really big risk for the Ducks, for especially for the trade that they've made surrounding their little thing and we're going to have a segment on that for at least maybe 10 minutes about the ducks we're so into it right here, um let's just go ahead and move on into it but, uh, i know that the ducks are well, in the midst before, of a huge losing streak so. before we actually move on i actually wanted because the one thing you mentioned something that he wasn't drafted and see that's that's a problem with me you know i understand that you have these you know 
these hero stories of these guys who are, oh, you know, I, I was drafted in the sixth round or I wasn't drafted. I'm, I'm going to show them that they should have drafted me. But that doesn't always happen. And actually, for the most part, it doesn't. So for, you know, for him to not be drafted and for NHL scouts to look at the guy and be like, I, I, I don't think we should waste to put a draft pick on him. I mean, that, that tells me something. That tells me something. That 30 NHL teams with, with, with scouts that have said, I, I don't think we should, I don't think we should draft them. Well, there, and there, there even may be background, but you know, as far yeah. as we know, initially it's like, yeah. Hey, there's something about him that's like, Hey, he might have not been looked at. So like, we yeah. need to kind of backtrack here. So maybe there's a story to it. I, and I mean, and, and like I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing this to knock on the guy. I, I'm hoping for the best. You know, I want, you know, for those kind of stories, those success stories of being undrafted and doing it, those are great stories. You know, so I hope I hope he goes to Anaheim to succeed. But like, my instant reaction is I look at this trade and I'm like, Bob Murray, what are you doing? What are you? I mean, this, I mean, some of I mean, some of their other trades, like the one they made today, and then with the Lucian, the Delzato, or in the Cogliano Shore trade. You know, I was like, okay, I can make an argument for it. Those are fine, but this one was one that just jumped off the map for me. Yeah, absolutely. But um, um, jumping so- right into the. Uh, Jumping into another trade, if you want to jump into the Cogliano short sure. trade from but a couple days ago. Like you how you reported something, so I want to share this little tidbit as okay. we transition and we okay. go in. Yeah, sorry about this. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, another little part of trading that we could see pretty soon too. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets are actually interested in getting back Derek Broussard from the Pittsburgh Penguins, who they drafted in, in 2006. Um, they would like him to jump back in to that top mix with the Blue Jackets. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a surprise as Aaron uh, Port's line uh, says he's the guy that covers um, the Blue Jackets on the Athletic. But um, aside from that, you know that'd be cool to see him uh, move. It's a matter to of what, a, it's a matter of what would they have to give up. Exactly, and I would actually, you know, that's the big we'll one. see what happens there. Um, and there's also another little debate that I'm not sure if it's in our topics but it can be later on is you know Bobrovsky in that situation so we can but, definitely well uh, next week we'll be coming with a uh, trade uh, sort of trade podcast just kind of reviewing stuff around the trade deadline and absolutely. Like some major rumors and stuff we can definitely put that in absolutely. there for and sure because that's a huge one him and Panarin absolutely and after after we shared the Ducks thing I'll have one more tidbit to tease about for a team that we live locally with so Hopping right into the Ducks, let's go ahead and get here. So I'm going to start us off. Um, so the, I'm just going to list the trade, and then Seth can hop into his side of it. So we have uh, Michael Delzato traded for Luke Shin, and I think that's it, right? There's nothing no, else so attached. No, seventh-round pick. Right and now. a seventh-round pick is so going. Vancouver got Shin and the and seventh a, for so Delzato. here's the little running joke that I'll give Seth to go off of. So <laughs> when – when, uh, <laughs> When Delzato got traded to the Predators, oh, I didn't know anything about him, but my friend from New York said, oh, you guys are getting uh, Michael Delzaster, as we call him, up in uh, Long Island. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, okay, we'll see how that turns out. So it's time with the Rangers. Delzato only played the rest of the season with the Preds, then he left. So um, I think, he, I don't know, he, I'm pretty sure he only played the rest of the season, and then he left. So, but yeah, yeah, uh, He wasn't in Nashville for very not long. Not long, sure. so Seth. For sure. What are your thoughts on this trade? Let's hop into it because this is the trade that I want to talk more about too. I actually, for this trade, it's interesting. I actually think Anaheim uh, won this trade because the reason why 
is, you know, it had been reported that, you know, Luke Shen has played only eight games this year. He's got he's got no points. He's just zero for goals, zero assists, minus six. He's in his final year of an eight thousand dollar contract. And he's age twenty nine. So they actually got a younger guy out of it, you know, in Bill's auto. You know, he's a um he's a decent, you know, bottom four defenseman. You know, he, he, he can play. He's he's not completely awful, but he's not gonna be like one of your top you know, guys eating top minutes. But you know, one goal, three assists. For, he's in the final year of a six million dollar contract, which uh, which is good for Vancouver because he's not worth six million dollars. Um, but I, I think I think this is a good one because you know they were gonna they were putting Shin on waivers anyways, so they're basically already saying okay, well we're not gonna get anything for him, just put him out there. So to actually get a player out of him, I mean you gave up a seventh, but you know, but a seventh, you know. It could become something good, but most likely it's it'll be somebody they'll play in the AHL for his entire career. Sure, but I actually think for um, it could be a wake up call. It for could Shen be too. yeah. It could be you know it could be it's definitely a wake up call for Shen because uh, you know he was in Arizona and now he's here. He was in Philly. He's in Arizona and now and I mean now Vancouver. I mean this could be one of those things. I mean he's this is his final year of a contract. Um. He better show something. And if he wakes up, he can help out that defensive line yeah, for sure. But if he doesn't, if he does not show up, and this is his final year of a contract, Vancouver may be like, "We're gonna walk from you." I mean, this is this is the guy. He's got to show something. You know, this is, this is this is another team he's been on now. He needs to. He has to show something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, age twenty nine. So, but uh, I think the disaster thing is something that <laughs> is going to be taken for granted. Saying that, I think yeah. that it's just a it's just a running joke. With yeah, him. it is. It's just a running joke. He he but made a couple of bad plays, but hey, you know what? Everybody does. But I mean, so I think I will agree. That's a pretty uh, good argument, and that's a pretty good easy way to yeah. agree with you on. Yes, I really think the Ducks get a good piece here. Um, so Michael Delzato, he is a good two-way defenseman that leans more towards playing more defensively. Definitely. Now he's got a good shot. He's got a pretty good shot. Yeah. I've seen him play. Um, which on the Ducks is which on the Ducks is important. Yes, they're. I mean, good. their system is get it back to the defenseman and have him shoot it. Yeah, and I mean, he, that's their system. You know? He's more known for having it pop off his stick rather than having a regular slap shot like Shea Weber's clap bomb and things like that but he is able to throw the puck on net pretty easily I'm excited about that for him and seeing if he can jump start his thing back hopefully we can hear from him soon as he has his debut and you can follow the Ducks as well uh, on Twitter and things like that NHL.com maybe see about his debut and so the Ducks also made another trade um, we'll was, hop into that one. They traded with the Dallas Stars. It was uh, Andrew Devin Cogliano. Sh- yeah, Devin Go Shore on. for Andrew Cogliano. Um, you know, I'll start off with this one, Seth. I I really think um, the Stars win. I think, and it's, I think that they get a, a guy that hey, this is character. He's a great guy in in the locker room. He's maybe yeah. He's he's older, obviously, but. I think he's going to add a lot of character to this team, and I think it's going to make the Central even harder to play in with a guy like that. So he's I, played 46 games, and we'll I, see what happens. My, I, I think Dallas wins the trade, and one of the reasons why is because you know they get a veteran presence in there. The guy's already signed to his contract. He's in the first of a three-year contract. 
It's only carrying 3.25 million, so that's good. Shore, on the other hand, is 24, so he's younger. He's on the final year of a $2.3 million contract. So it's one of those that's like, okay, what is he, what is, I mean, he's going to have to be probably paid more. No, Cogliano's got three goals and eight assists, and uh, Devin Shore, five goals and 12 assists. But what I read on Cogliano is that Cogliano has good uh, underlying numbers. His, his underlying numbers are good. He's just snake bitten right now when it comes to scoring, which the entire Ducks organization right now, from an offensive standpoint, is snake bitten. And we'll get into that here in a little bit as soon as we get done with the trades. Right. But Cogliano gives the Stars a veteran presence with his Ironman style, speed, and 200 foot play. So he plays the entire length of the ice. He's speedy. He's a good. He's a, I think this for Dallas. That's one thing Dallas really needs: a guy who plays, you know, the full length of the ice, because you know Dallas's stuff defensively have been well regarded. Is they're more way more of an offensive team, but Devin Shore uh, provides a jolt to the Ducks lineup. He can score himself. Um, he's 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 got the potential to be a pretty good player for him. Right. But I think just based off the contract alone. Yeah. I think that's what that's what tips it in the end of Star yeah. but it's not a bad trade by Anaheim by any means. Right, I sure. think it's a good trade. I think it's a they needed because the one that Anaheim came out, Bob Murray came out and said they're not going to fire uh, Randy Carlisle. Randy Carlisle, which we will, I will, we will go on a tirade about that. We will because my yeah. app, I'm pretty hot when it comes to that sure. topic. And so, but yeah, I think. If you just yeah. look at these, two, they have to make moves. The, those two moves that were made, I like the Delzato move, and I like the Andrew Cogliano move, and getting and Shore. Then we'll so see on the other one, it's we'll a shakeup. On the clues. it's a change we'll of scenery, see. and it gets the locker room thinking like, "What's like? I think we're going in the wrong direction," yeah. which they have it's, been. So it's a thing where you know they're they're making the. And we talked about this at the airport last night. You know, it's there's these are these minor deals, and if the minor deals don't get it done expect for one of those top guys to be moving out you know and that would be and that'll be we'll see something we'll, we'll definitely see it but we'll i see um, something so we're gonna start on the ducks hopping here. into the ducks so um, <laughs> we're, we're just gonna go through 12 what, game losing streak what, yeah we'll we'll touch on this um so oh, we'll yeah. start us off i'll read through the list here seth and then we can touch on right. what's going into these losses so um do you want to just go through the streaks of that? Yeah, because well, the, the Ducks have been an incredibly streaky team this year. Yeah, so they were on a seven-game losing streak at the beginning of the season from October twentieth through the uh, well, November fourth. Well, to start the season, they actually were they were five two and one. They got off to that good start, and that was I remember talking to you about. It, I was like, dude, what's going on with the Ducks? Like they're winning. Yeah, because I had predicted them to be mm-hmm. bottom of the Pacific. Right. You know, and then right so. around uh, towards my birthday, they um, kind of were trailing off too, but keep on going. November 27th through the start of December uh, on the 7th, they were on a five-game w- winning streak, uh, lost a game, and then they went on a four-game winning streak from December 9th through the 18th. And now we see them yeah. losing and not winning a game for one well, month from december 18th to currently january 17th they have won they have not won a game a whole calendar month that folks. is that is to me that is unheard. it's it's certainly not unheard of but it's one of those I just look at that and I'm just like for a professional hockey team in this in this day of age where there's so much parity there's not I mean anybody can beat anybody on any given night 
to see a team not able to win a game in 12 straight, that's cringy. And, you know, you know, and during the top, and this is their top five players in that losing streak. So this is 12 games. Mm-hmm. 12 Listen games. to this. This is, this is crazy. Their top scorer, Mick Ritchie, two goals and five assists for seven points. Carter Rowney, have you heard of him? No. Yeah, I haven't either. It's one goal and five assists for six points. Daniel Sprong, the guy they got from Pittsburgh. Good move for them. Three goals and two assists for five points. I mean, he's been their top. He's been one of their top five producers for this time. Uh, Ajay Kasse, two goals and three assists for he's five struggling. points. And then Adam Henrique, one goal and four assists. Wow, the devil's advocate there. So this is this is. It's the exact thing that I thought was going to happen to this team at the beginning of the year is who's going to score their goals. They don't have anybody right they now. They have nobody. This, this team can't score. And they just traded the guy that scored and most it, of the and, goals. And Albert. That's what that's what surprised me so much. Is Albert had been one of the top producing guys. And, and, and if he stayed, I mean, and they actually and, dressed well, him. Which we they, actually we actually left this part out of the Albert trade. Was kind of the uh, kick in the nuts for Albert was he was scratched four games. If you're scratched for four, like, I don't... That's what I would I want to kind of and this will, this will kind of go into the Carlisle thing. Yeah, you scratch one of your best players for four straight games. No wonder you're losing. Yeah, that really shakes I, up the demeanor I mean, of the locker room. I mean, this team and this team's dealt with a lot of injuries. On top of that, you got Patrick Eves, who's had a rib injury. He's been out since November twelfth. That dude. Ryan Kessler, lower body injury since January fifteenth, so he's been recently hurt. Uh, Ryan Miller with a knee injury since December 9th. Corey Perry. So he hasn't played all year. He had the knee injury on September 26th. He's expected to be activated during the beginning of March, but at the same time, that's too long. That's too long. I mean, what part of March? Yeah, he's, what, ba- he's basically gonna miss an entire yeah, season. Yeah, like when are you gonna show up? And uh, Jacob and Jacob Silverberg, lower body injury. He was also hurt on January 15th. So I mean, this team is this team is injured, and the players are not producing the ones that are there. And I don't like to be I don't like to be the uh, fire the coach guy. I don't like to be that. I don't like to be like calling up for people's jobs. I don't like to be that guy. That's that's not that's not the, the hat I like to wear. Mm-mm. I'm gonna make an exception here. Why is Randy Carlisle still behind the bench for the Anaheim Ducks? And their GM speaks confidently too. Like Bob Murray, I I, I look at Bob Murray and he came out the other day and like you said, you know, he was gonna trade players away first before he actually you know fired the coach. And I'm like, well, you've lost 12 straight games. Clearly, the players are not reacting to whatever the coach is saying. And, and not to mention, Ducks fans want Ducks fans want Carlisle fired. Yeah, I mean, Carlisle's already been fired from Anaheim. It made no sense for them to bring him back. I mean, I thought last year they should have. I was I've for a while I've been thinking like, why is Carlisle still behind the bench for Anaheim? Mm-hmm. I never understood it. He never performed well in the playoffs. He got they went the Western Conference Finals, which was a surprise that they got there, and then they just they're just they've continued to downstep and downstep and downstep. And the last year they swept in the swept in the first round mm-hmm. when they were the higher seed than San Jose. I I just this is a team that they they need a shakeup, but they need a shakeup behind the bench. Yeah, and he has that's clearly, what needs to happen. He, yeah, and he's clearly said. He's like, that's all I'm going to say yeah. on that. Like, I'm not going to move anybody right now. Yeah. So, 
And, and with the scratching of Auburn, one of your best players, just just tack that onto the list. Yeah. Like why? Why? What? What credentials does Carlisle have to remain behind the bench of the Anaheim Ducks? So, yeah, do you have something? So, you have something. Go away, here's, please. Here's, oh, well, no. here's what uh, Cogliano says in, in a story with Eric Stevens. This gives me a great perspective. This is why I like the athletic. Here's what Cogliano said in his little paragraph after he had the whole rundown with Bob Murray after reading that, which you should go check out this story. I'll show it to Seth really shows the character sure. of Bob Murray here. So here's what Cogliano says, quote, It's a harsh reality. Sitting down with the athletic outside his gate, here's what he also said, start quote. Sorry, I didn't end the other one, but here's the start quote. I didn't expect it to happen probably. But when you think, like, when you think about it, being a realist, which I am, we've lost 11 in a row. What is, like, what else is Bob going to do? When I think about it, like, you know, that's crazy. And, I mean, he also says he made it clear it's not going to happen. He's speaking about Coach Carlisle. It's not going to happen as if the it's, players are calling for him, too, and, behind closed doors. And so, and, and, and if that's the case, then Bob Murray, peace. Yeah. Because it's like, you can't. It's it's one of those situations where, you know, I'm, I, this is a football reference, but I'm gonna reference the, my my football team that like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had a situation last year with Coach Dirk Cutter where the GM was like, "You either gotta fire." He basically told Dirk Cutter, "You have to fire Mike Smith, your defensive coordinator, or you're gone too. You can't continue to defend a guy who is not producing the way that they're supposed to produce." The Ducks are a proud organization. They've been one of the top teams in the Western Conference for for how long? For like, years now. Yeah. They've always been a team that, at the beginning of the season, going in, you're like, okay, we might have to face them in the playoffs. Because Gatslav, Perry, Kessler, Gibson and Nett, Montour, Fowler, they got guys on their team. And the fact, I mean, they've been injured real this season. They're, uh, their top guys are getting older. But this team should still be able to at least compete. Yeah. I mean, this team's about to get jumped by the Coyotes who are injury riddled. I the fact that the the even the possibility that they that the coach might not be fired, the, the possibility that the coach could be fired is not even coming up. I look at Bob Murray and I'm like, dude, wow, how good are you at running this team? Hmm. Like, for years they've been good, but this is, I mean, you're holding on to something. Like, it's, I mean, it's, and I think it's interesting because Kessler came out a couple days ago and even said, you know, if this team is heading toward a rebuild, you know, I'm going to stay for it. I'll, I'll stick it through the rebuild. So, what that tells me is that the idea of a rebuild is already going through the player's head. Very real. Yeah. This team gonna... already, the, 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 this team's top, one of their top leaders in Kessler has already uh, looking at this and like you know if this team's gonna be a uh, a a, uh, a rebuilding team I'm gonna stay. Mm-hmm. So what so what's going on in the locker room? What's yeah. being talked around the locker room? I mean, because I'm not even sure, but is this team is this team trying to approach a rebuild? Or are they trying? Because no you know, that's what's confusing is they're making these moves as if they want to stay contenders, even though very clearly it's they're not contenders. Not looking that way. They're not. They're not gonna yeah. win the Stanley Cup. So this year. they won't. 
we'll go off on a little bit of this too. So giving fans a perspective here, if you're a Ducks fan or if you like the Ducks, Very know, or, or know or just know who they are. Um, Eric Stevens is the guy that broke the article, uh, broke the news for that article about what like what happened there with Bob Murray and, and Andrew Cogliano. He anticipates that Max Jones will get his NHL debut when they play tonight against the Minnesota Wild. Um, the lines, um, if you if you guys would like to hear this, um, it would it's going to be first line Raquel gets Sprong. Um, I don't really know any of these guys on the first line. Sprong's the one I know. Sprong, Rich, a lot right s- second line, we have Nick Ritchie, Adam Henry. Well, what are Getz is Andre, probably uh, Andre Getzlav. Kase. Yeah, um, yeah Getz is Getzlav. Getz will be uh, Raquel. Getzlav. Raquel's a good player for him. Like then Raquel. Max Jones will get his NHL debut with Nick Shore. No, with Devin Shore and Chris Terry. Uh, and then fourth line is Gibbons and Rowney, this guy who's in second for points. And, and then, then Derek Grant. Grant, who they just got in, in the trade as well. So there's that's their line. Um, that's what's going on. Um, and we'll take care of whatever's going on. Um, but, you know, I'll let Seth touch on the, um, the more so aspect of this team. Um, and we'll move on to our next topic after he touches on this. As far as... No, the Ducks, as far as the like the problems with them? Yeah. The problems with them is scoring. Touch on the Ducks. The, the problems with Anaheim is they don't know what they are. They're trying they're, – they're caught in a thing of between being a rebuilding team and being a contending team, which to me, in my personal opinion, they're a rebuilding team. The beginning of the year, I had them finishing sixth in the Pacific Division – Behind the Vancouver, uh, Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers, um, clearly have been very wrong on the Canucks. I think everybody's wrong on the Canucks at this point because I don't think anybody could have thought Pedersen was going to be this good in his rookie season. But I, I, fi- I had them finishing low because I, I looked at them. I'm like, their players are getting older. They're getting injured. They're The only way this team makes the playoffs is if John Gibson can carry the team the entire season, and they, I don't think he can. You know, I love Gibson as a goaltender, but I, you know, I don't think any goaltender can carry a team for that long, that far. I don't, they definitely, and even if they made the playoffs, I think there's too many good teams in the Western Conference that somebody would knock them out. The problem is that, and then with the actual team itself is they obviously they can't score. I mean, as we've gone through the top five and their losing streak, this team is a uh, team that's not getting goals. Um, they're not getting their goaltender any any scoring help. So in order for them to win games, they have to win like you know two to one, uh, or Gibson has to get a shutout for them to win. But if the actual like as an organizational standpoint, what's wrong with the Anaheim Ducks is I is they're having an identity problem. They don't know. Uh, Bob Murray believes his team is still a contender, and you know based off the Kessler comments, you know I begin to wonder does the team realize that. We're not a contending team, but we're a rebuilding team. That we're approaching a rebuilding team, and I think this. I think if this team doesn't miss, doesn't make the playoffs, which I don't think they will, I think this summer it, it could really blow it up. Or if they don't turn it around, it could even be blown up here at the trade deadline. Um, this would be a team definitely kind of to keep your eye on and kind of follow just what's going to happen because there's a lot of players on this team, guys like Getzlaff, guys like Perry, guys like Kessler. Fowler, Montour, you know, top guys for the Ducks, uh, could find some of them could find themselves on uh, new teams, uh, 
just just to try to get draft picks out of them because you know the Ducks. I I think they're going to be a real big rebuilding team here next season. I, yeah. I think this is. Uh, I think last year is the last year they make the playoffs. I think this year um, it's going to continue into a tire fire. Uh, I could see Carlisle. If he gets fired, it'll be in the off season. Uh, you know, Bob Murray may just give him that respectful, is like, hey, you know, we'll let you finish the season, but if nothing happens, which nothing will, um, we're gonna fire you. Mm. But I think that, um, yeah, this is this is the fall of one of the one of the great teams in the Western Conference, kind of like Chicago last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ducks are. This is. I think they're done. Yeah. I think this is. Uh, they're gonna be. You know, they're not. You know, if we're talking in like playoff, playoff wise, I mean they're not completely done. I mean they're only two points out of a wild card spot. But the Canucks. Are but the them. fact that you've got the Canucks, the Oilers, the Wild, the Avalanche, all competing, Dallas, you know, all competing for that spot. I have a hard time believing that the Ducks are going to be one of the two teams to come out of that, mm. with the way that their team is built. With you know, unless they can make some major moves, I mean they're making some minor moves right now. But unless they can make some major moves, or if they can get these guys, some of these guys healthy, and they can return and then produce like their younger selves, um, then then maybe they can. But I, I think right now, I think they're done. I, I think, think this is. Um, I think the Ducks as a uh, Ducks fans should definitely be looking uh, at at a, at a rebuild. I think a rebuild is on the horizon in Orange County. Um, I think we see that coming. Does Bob Murray stick around for it? We'll see, depending on how this whole situation comes out. I, I mean, he's been a good, he's been a decent GM for him. He's not been horrible. He's kept the team, you know, contending the last five or six, five or so years. Yep. But uh, this whole thing with Carlisle, you know, I, I, I you, know, you've heard my little tirade on it. I don't agree with it. Yeah. Uh, do you got you got anything else? I have a couple. Ducks? I have a couple of uh, little. Well, I have one tweet, and then I'll move into my little points I wanted to make about our hometown team. Just a yeah. li- just a little bit, but we're from Nashville. If uh, just anybody was wondering, a little bit of news <laughs> we'll there. Hometown. We we'll talk about the Predators. Um, so, AHL website. Lots of movement, uh, as Steven says from the Athletic for the Ducks. As I've said, um, they uh, made some call ups, re- like some recalls, which is with their affiliate the american hockey league which is minor league for the nhl just so that's cleared up um troy terry max jones who's making his debut and andre schuster have been called up from the san diego goals and then uh Kiefer shearwood and jake dot jake dotchen uh were not at practice yesterday and they were sent down along with patrick eaves who is going through a stint of recovering from injury and he's going to play some games yes conditioning and play some games with that team and then he'll be ready um you know they're gonna try to make a couple of adjustments and also one thing to note too i saw from stevens delzato will not be reporting to the team immediately he still has to get his visa sorted out before he comes over to the the west coast um and so that was the uh anaheim ducks brought to you by us for sure um, yeah. but that's well, just our take on the full organizational breakdown there of, yeah. uh, of Anaheim. That's the uh, state of the team right now. And so, 
Um, you, got, you got anything else for us on this podcast, man? I do. I have just a couple of things, some short things that right. I just kind of want to share. So, Here's what's up. Um, as Seth arrived, I asked uh, Mr. Adam Vingan with The Athletic too. The Athletic, I'm going to keep using them like a broken record and beat the dead horse there. But yeah, you're, he, he is a big fan of The Athletic. <laughs> the Athletic is great. Almost religiously. They've been pretty good. Um, they have. They're, so, pre- they're, they're, they're a pretty good news source. So I sure. asked Mr. Vingan, who uh, he wrote for the Tennessee and made the transition to The Athletic athletic because the, the Tennessee was a dying newspaper but um and they I'm are taking, taking shots anyway, there that are but, local newspaper all right um, so I I asked him earlier about, about an hour ago before the podcast I said uh hey Adam was wondering to know I know RV almost scored a fourth goal the other night against the Capitals which by the way was a seven to two win go Preds yeah, ouch um so I said that there. <laughs> I recollect that Matt Hendricks did the same thing against Calgary. If you know the history on that, I'd be all ears for that. So he went on and told me uh, I actually confused the two grinders, Matt Hendricks and Eric Nystrom. Uh, he said one Predators player has scored four goals in one game. Our old friend Eric Nystrom against the Flames on January 24th, 2014. It's been a hot minute scoring four goals, but that was the one stat of the day. For our podcast so the preds almost had a guy score four on tuesday night tonight the preds take on the winnipeg jets at seven o'clock central time kind of giving them that little promotion there for central time but anyway um so also to kind of note i would like to share that uc soros has gold pads what? He wore them. What? He, he wore them to practice this what? morning. What? Are we talking like flurry gold pads or? They look pretty similar. I can show you when we oh, finish my, up. Oh wait. Are we talking like okay? When we're talking flurry, are we talking flurry about like back in Pittsburgh with like the sport gold pads? Is if so, so, I'm gonna have to get a ticket to a Preds game here so pretty soon for the see this. You see Soros. He is the backup for the Predators. I'm letting Seth see now. Oh, those are beauties. So I'll as, a, as, as, a, as a goaltender, I can say those are beautiful. So I love be, them. I'd be I interested to see if we if we see that. Uh, I, I say I say Sarsh should start tonight just because of those pads. We might see him play. That's a, that's a possibility. So, they definitely should give Rene some rest. Yeah. Rene needs to rest. So th- for a th- games this there. being uh, a Nashville or Greater Nashville podcast, uh, being a Hendersonville Tennessee, we're going to touch on the Preds for sure. So here's my little uh, thing on the Preds right now. Not not the state of the team that would take. Oh a yeah, while. we're not. We're, we say the team is uh, pretty pretty good. Yeah. Right now. So to be honest. Um, Preds. Not too shabby. Preds GM David Poyle um, was on 102.5 The Game. Uh, Brooks Bratton says, um, from hearing this from David Poyle that. Poyle is hoping that Kyle Turris and Mika Salamaki will be able to return to the lineup following the All-Star break and bye week. So we will expect to see those guys the, the beginning of uh, February. So Preds may have a pretty healthy roster. If no one else gets hurt, I would like to see how well they, they play in February with the full roster. And I won't go into this, but if you go to the Preds official podcast with Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis, I asked the question of, I think I see a guy who's going to be on the roster when those guys come back. He made his case. 
and that's Rocco Grimaldi. Rocco. But we'll see what happens. He's been. You are a big fan of Rocco Grimaldi. Big that fan, is for but sure. he's played very well. But yeah. here's also what's going on. Uh, the question to the Predators as what they will do at the trade deadline. Brooks reported the following. Uh, there are a couple options, uh, and the price has to be right. Uh, general manager David Poyle said, Right now, I want to see our team, and I want to see us get healthy. But we always like to do something to help our team going into the playoffs. So business-wise, Poyle would like to see some help come in, maybe. That's that's pretty cool. So well, Poley... I mean, if, if last year doesn't last year doesn't prove, he's always the guy. He's a very aggressive GM. He's a if he can bring somebody in that he believes is going to help the team, he's going to do it. Yeah, he he's going to be that guy. He so, will. I definitely i I would not be surprised if Nashville makes a move. I just am not because that's just how Poley is. But uh, you know, it's it's getting in the most the most exciting time of the year, bud. Yeah, trade deadline. Yeah. Oh, this is this is so much fun. This yeah, really and so uh, as we uh, all the speculation close out our podcast, the lines for the Predators tonight, like I said, reported to you by Adam Vingan, is Philip Forsberg, uh, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson. So we have that Jofa line. Then you have Fiala, Yarncook, and Smith on the second line. Sissons, Benino, Watson, and then Hartman, Gaudreau, and my favorite Rocco Grimaldi, and then. The defensive pairs will remain the same. We'll see uh, Roman Yossi along with P.K. Subban, and we will see uh, Ryan Ellis with Matias Ekholm, and then I believe Yannick Weber and Dan Hamies will play on that third pair, and the starter tonight has yet to be announced, but I believe, hopefully from the gold pads, we'll see UC Saros, otherwise known as Juice or Use. We'll see him play tonight. Um, but I'm interested to see what happens. Um, not really sure on what other updates we have to share with you, considering the fact that there's a dumpster fire going on on the Bay side with the Anaheim Ducks. But um, we will have more with you next time here on Light the Lamp Media's podcast. This has been Seth Griffith and Nick Kieser. Until next time, thanks for listening.